0: 2020 podcast what it's a 2020 podcast
1: what it's 2020 podcast bro what 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 What? yeah 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 here we go let's go this is the 20 by 20 podcast and i'm here alone today boy joe ain't here with me but it's all good i got my boy ryan from the spotlight series what's going on kid
2: hey what's going on man thank you for having me I'm excited to be here. What's going on with you?
1: Chilling, chilling, man. You already know, safe and healthy. It's the, the most I can ask for in these times that we got right now. And um, you know, I'm just very, I'm excited, man. I got you on the show. This is this, this big right here. This big right here, man. Spotlight series is one of the one of the first wrestling uh podcasts I subscribe to on iTunes. So this right here, this is this is a pretty dope experience right now.
2: Hey, man, I appreciate it. I appreciate you subscribing and giving me some time in your ears every every Monday, now yes. Thursday also, but I did want to congratulate you guys on, on getting over 100 oh, triple digits you. to the deal, man, so <laughs> awesome, congratulations. Thank
1: you, thank you, we try to stay consistent, and you know, thank yeah. God we, we've been consistent every week, dropping, you know, sometimes we switch the days around, because you know, personal you lives, work schedule sometimes gets a little hectic, so we gotta switch it around, but you know, we've been consistently dropping every Saturday morning.
2: Yeah, and and that's key, man. Anybody who asks me anything about podcasting, mm-hmm. I just say, hey, pick your day and stay consistent. If you need to evolve a little bit and figure out what works best, then go ahead. For me, I'm lucky enough that I don't, you know, I don't have a co-host, so I just stack interviews and yeah. I can kind of lay off for like a month. Especially like times like this, I've been grinding so heavy because so many people are home able to to call in and talk and touch base so it's been a busy time but uh still uh, i enjoy every time i sit in front of this microphone
1: awesome man awesome yeah man we're 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 out there we're hunting trying to see you know how we get people on the show as well you know we we we, we love to talk about wrestling here man and yeah our our thing is is like one my boy my co-host woodrow he's just getting back into the groove the last couple of years watching wrestling again. So this podcast comes from a perspective of a fan that's been watching it for, for years and another fan who used to watch it for a long time and just got back. So a lot of the times it's just like a back and forth and me trying to explain to him what's going on and him not really knowing it. So it's like him watching it from the outside in, you know?
2: Yeah, of course. And that's a it's a unique perspective. Not a lot of people have that. A lot yeah. of people... Are- You know, especially when it's a a two-man or a three-man podcast, it's all people who are very passionate about one thing. Yes. And then you can kind of start blurring the lines of being, you know, biased, whether you're a WWE podcast or an AEW podcast or (laughs) an independent wrestling. You know, you kind of blur those lines, but you two have that balance of, hey, this is what's going on. This is what's popping let me put you on and then you get his reaction also from a different a fresh set of eyes you know it's 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 unique
1: yeah we try we try to keep it that way because you know like you said it's a lot of podcasts out there with a lot of passionate passionate fans and you know they gravitate somewhere but they when they talk about it they talk about it straight from the heart and you know you gotta appreciate that definitely gotta appreciate that man so uh I see that, you know, not only a podcast, but you have a merch line. A fire merch line at that, man, because I, sure. I I'm a buyer of two of the tees. The first tea I ever bought was uh the ACH shirt. I when I seen that design, I'm like, yo, this right here, it's just it speaks volumes to what like must have been going on through his head, leaving that independent world where he was such a big name in the independent world and going in to that next realm, you know, that mainstream realm, you know?
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah, that shirt was, uh, we had already done, I had already done one shirt with Albert already, Mm -hmm. and he's such a great dude, I don't care what anybody says about him, he is truly one of the best people that I've met in the world of professional wrestling, and in just life in general, a stand-up guy, and uh, he just happened to stand up for what he believed in, and maybe was a little too angry or aggressive about it. But, you know, when you get mad, it's hard to keep it in. You know what I mean? No,
1: it's but, definitely
2: hard. Yeah, exactly. But back to the positives. Albert's a great dude. He reached out to me and wanted to do a series of shirts. This is before he even got signed up. Okay. So he wanted to do a series of three shirts. And it only ended up being a series of two shirts. We did him fighting Goku, which was number one. <laughs> and then number two was going to be... <laughs> we and him argue about, I don't know anything about anime. So he'll be like, it's got to be this, they this. And I'm like, dude, I don't know what that is.
1: <laughs> me either. <laughs> so,
2: exactly. He'll be like, I want to be fighting so-and-so. I'm like, dude, I have no idea who that is. So send me pictures and we could figure it out. So it was supposed to be a series of three of him fighting different anime characters. Gotcha. I forget who the second one is. I think it was something from one punch man or something like that i don't know so he can, <laughs> he can yell at me for not knowing but uh um we ended up having to go right to the to the end sequence because he got signed up yeah and uh he had the vision he sent me a picture of that spider-man that classic spider-man frame where he's you know putting the the old the gear in the in the can and moving on he goes i want to do this but i don't want it to be in like a quitting way i want it to be in like uh I'm leaving all my baggage behind, all the bad stuff that anybody might have said about me, and I'm taking, you know, I'm taking my Jordans, I'm taking my Tiger mask, and I'm walking through to the to the the new universe. And uh we made it happen and it's still one of my favorites. I love the colors of it. Oh. That uh that like Freshwater Ken Griffey Jr. green. That's yes. my shit right there. Yes, I that, that
1: made me wish I still had my Freshwater 95s, man.
2: Yeah, man. So same. I, every shirt that I put out, it, I try to have them match up with sneaker colorways because I just grew up, you know, in the in the late 80s and 90s in New York and, and sneakers were a big deal. Still a big deal to me.
1: Still, still to this day, still to this day. I mean, yeah. I, I'm always waiting for some OG Air Max 95 colorways, uh, the yeah. 90s. Though, though, I mean, of course, Jordans and stuff like that. But, you know, that that's me right there. I love all that dunks, everything, Same. man.
2: Same. I like people fighting over Jays nowadays, and it's it's like I will buy a pair of Jordans if you wore them on the court. So like when these uh, the white Fire Fives just came out recently, a yeah. couple like ago, I jumped on those because I love the legacy and lineage that came with those shoes and what he achieved while he had them on. You know, when they come out in these crazy colors, I'm kind of just, I kind of shrug my shoulders at it because I'm just like, Mike never wore those. <laughs> like, <laughs> but uh, it's dope seeing him get some more love from some younger people now with the new documentary series. It's been uh, pretty cool to see some of the younger kids kind of see how how he really is the greatest of all time.
1: Yeah, I mean, that that documentary is crazy. I mean, it hurt. I think it was uh, episode five and six kind of hurt because you know, I'm a big Nick fan. So oh seeing him dunk on Ewing, seeing him go up two zero and then losing in in six games, I was just like, "Oh man, it was just just bad memories coming back, bad yeah, elementary man. school memories." <laughs>
2: Dude, at least we had playoff memories.
1: Yeah, I know, um, right?
2: <laughs> man, I, we I can't even think of a decent team since that um, uh, Melo, Shumper, Jr. the the whole uh. Oh. Knicks with, tape squad
1: with the with the old with the oldies. when they had uh, Jason Kidd and C. Wallace there, <laughs> yes.
2: yeah. So we haven't had a decent squad. I I honestly I look at the Knicks right now, and I think they're like a star away. Like they have like like if they got a legit superstar, mm-hmm. they they do some damage. But they kind of missed out, and I was a little annoyed they passed on KD. But for the money and and the issues with his feet and his knees or whatever the issue is. It's just hard to throw that much money at somebody with that's kind of a question mark.
1: Yeah, I mean the uh, the injury that he had too is not too many came back from it. Only one person has come back from that injury, What's and that's Dominique million. Wilkins.
2: Oh damn! So yeah, you got to <laughs> think about that. How are you gonna how are you gonna put all that money on him, and you don't know.
1: You, know, you know, all they so- asked for was insurance. <laughs> exactly.
2: Exactly. I mean, the NBA, you can get stuck with a bad contract for a long time. The Knicks dealt with that with Allen Houston.
1: Oh, for my all god. those
2: years they stuck with that contract.
1: Oh my god. And he was there. They didn't even try to trade him. They couldn't even trade him. Couldn't even trade him. No,
2: he just sat there yep. for like a really long time. Crazy. 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 Crazy, man.
1: But uh, yeah, like I said, uh that that was one shirt I got, is the ACH shirt. The last shirt that I bought was the Shibata. Ooh, oh, that, that was, was that was fire. <laughs> and I love that it was a navy blue color shirt.
2: I had to switch it up. That I was love the big that the big deal we went with uh went with the michael jordan kind of like high school colors with that laney yellow yes yes and uh and a little bit of the the powder blue but that was completely like not planned when i saw (laughs) i was watching watching new japan i I don't even remember what was supposed to come out next i had no i don't even remember because i used to have everything all planned out And I'll be like, this is going to be the next release. This will be the next release. I'll have something that come out around mania time. We'll do something for the summer. So I usually try and keep it. I was trying to keep it to like four releases a year, you know, like a seasonal thing. Okay. And things got a little, the shirts start moving faster and you're kind of like, well, why not? So with this, I was watching um, New Japan at whatever time in the morning. (laughs) and this all goes down and Kent is one of my favorites I've been watching him since you know the mid 2000s when he first popped up in Ring of Honor yes. my second my second independent show ever uh it was Kenta and Marufuji against American Dragon and Samoa Joe
3: wow so
2: like exactly second show ever my first show ever was CM Punk's last show at Ring of Honor so it was just Whoa. I'm super spoiled when it comes
1: to wrestling. <laughs> you got moments. You got moments.
2: Yeah. So I'm a big Kenta guy, and obviously, how could you not love Shibata? So when this moment was coming, I was just like, "Boom!" Idea popped in my head, and then my friend who does we have we started our our own creative design company called Creative Weld. Yes. If anybody needs any uh, commissions or anything, feel free to message me at the struggles on Instagram. And, um, I messaged, uh, he works with me, shoot job, nine to five. We work together. I was like, dude, this just happened yesterday. He was like, so let's do it right now. And hey. we just cranked it out and put it up and it crushed, it killed. And I was so excited that it did so well.
1: Yeah. Cause like when I, when I went to go get it, I already seen there were sizes that weren't there anymore. I was like, Oh shit. I gotta, I, yo, fuck it. I got to get Ooh. this shit right now. I could not
2: keep up yeah it was too much i was at work i was at work while the release was going on i usually release on a friday at midnight so i can kind of navigate during the weekend yeah but it put it out midweek and i was just like i had trouble keeping up with it and keeping up with making sure i was i was on top of my shit because the worst thing to happen is to misorder the shirts or be oversold or something like that where i have to start refunding people or i have to make a whole second order you know stuff like that so it was just they were flying i didn't expect
1: it but come on man that like you said the colorway the shirt every (laughs) everything about it was just it was golden it was golden yeah uh so you guys say you got your own um creative design team so uh who's the one that, that does the designing is that that's you
2: No, no, I don't do any illustration when it comes to, for me, I handle all the bookings of the jobs and then I do all of the conceptual stuff. So when it comes to like a sketch or putting together ideas or saying, Hey, these are going to be the colors. We need to keep it to four colors. We need to do this, this, and this. I handle all of that. And then my friend, Avin, who is a tremendous graphic designer and illustrator who we work together He does all the actual illustration and stuff. But when it comes to, you know, compiling, he knows nothing about wrestling. He doesn't watch wrestling at all, (laughs) at all. You know, he's only he moved to the U.S. from Guyana five years ago and walked in my my job. uh, It'll be three years in August. And he started putting stuff up on his desk, like drawings and stuff. And I was like, do you draw? He was like, yeah, yeah. I was like, you like comic books? He's like, yeah. And then I was like, "You watch wrestling?" <laughs> He's like, "He's like, nah." And I was like, "Would you draw a shirt for me? How much would it cost?" And then we were off to the races, man. He did the Two Face Muda, the one where it's like Muda split down the middle. Yes, that was like one. That was the first one we did. And then it was just off to the races. And then people started asking us to do stuff. And I was like, "Would you take commissions?" He's like, I, yeah, but I don't want to talk to anybody. Like, He's like, I don't want to deal with clients. I don't want to deal with this. He's like, I don't really know about anything about wrestling. I was like, dude, what if I handle everything and you just draw? He was like, then let's do it. And then we figured out a name and, and did everything and got everything properly done. And the first commission that we did under the Creative Weld name was for Pentagon Jr.
1: Whoa, that's big.
2: The big one,
1: yeah. That's big. That's fire. Oh man, I didn't even know that.
2: Yeah, it was a uh, it was an official Pentagon shirt through Mast Republic.
1: Okay. Oh, that's, yeah. That's dope. It another awesome. another design that you have that oh, man, I was just too too slow to get at was the Terry Funk design.
2: People ask about that one Yo,
1: a lot. you had him out there like Magneto, bro. Yeah, that yeah. was that was fire. I'm, I'm looking at it. I'm like, yo, this shit is crazy. I'm yeah. like, fuck. I was like, I got to get to this. As soon as I got to it, sold out. <laughs> I'm like, Crap. yo, you got to be kidding me. I was like, this dude is winning right now, man.
2: That was that's probably one of my favorite ones ever. People ask about it a lot. And I I always had that mentality of, I'm not going to reprint anything you know, because then the original ones lose value and then I got to the point where I, I just said, I don't really care. If people want it, I'll do it and if worse comes to worse, I'll just switch up the colors a little bit and it'll be like a version 2. Like, like I do, a like, variant. Uh, exactly. Like a variant or I'll do something called Championship Edition where we change a little bit of stuff but with Terry, it flew. I sold 100 in like 48 hours and i shut it down and i was just like whatever that's it and people ask about it all the time and (laughs) don't be surprised if sometime in the summer or early next year that it comes out again maybe in just like slight color change yo my man if it does
1: shoot me a dm bro i
2: need that I
1: got you, As, yo. I'll be the. I'll make sure I'm the first one to cop that joint, man. I got you. <laughs> that was I got that was you. awesome. But um, also wanted to say thank you because when I did get that ACH shirt, it was the last one there, and you put yeah. a, a print with it. Yeah, I was like, oh man, this is dope. I I got it framed and everything, man. I was like, oh, this is oh. amazing, man.
2: Yeah, because when when we f- we found out that that ACH was leaving, I wanted to do something for for him cuz he was you know one of my good friends and I just wanted to do something for him so I was like hey you're going on this tour of final shows you know you can't control if the shirts sell out you know then nobody can get anything from you to say goodbye you know so I was like what if we did this already looks like a poster on a shirt what yep. if we just got posters made up and uh he was like ah I was like listen I will take care of it And I'll sell enough to cover it. Because if you find a decent poster maker, like, to be honest, it's not really that bad. So I was just like, you know what? Let me take care of it. And then I pre-sold whatever shirts I sold. And then he bought a bunch of shirts from me. So I ended up shipping him, like, 50 T-shirts and I think um, 100 posters. And then whatever was left over, I just... Was sending out to people. And when you asked about the shirt, I don't think I even had any more up. I think you were like, hey, do you have any more of this? And I looked and I found it. And then I was like, oh, I got one poster left. And I was just like, whatever, I was, I was shooting a poster. You know, I already have mine. So what am I <laughs> going to do with an extra one? You know, so I had no problem sending it out to you. That's awesome, man. Thank
1: you for that, man. So, like, you know, juggling both the podcast and the merch line, which came first? Was it was it doing the merch or busting out the club. podcast?
2: Um the podcast I started in September of twenty sixteen. Oh, okay. You've been so, in there for a minute. Yeah, yeah. So I um, I'll be at a hundred and eighty episodes on Monday. Wow. Which good. <laughs> we got a couple good ones coming up. We're pushing Pushing at 200, um, but I'm trying to think. I think I started the show because I had the Spotlight Series logo on the back neck of the first shirt, which was Jushin Thunder Liger, uh, Batman the Animated Series mashup. Gotcha. So that was the first one, and it was probably within a, a couple months, you know? They're probably within a couple months of one another that I put the shirt out. But pod first, then the shirt. Ugh
1: amazing man yeah man i mean like like i said you're winning you're winning with that so what because i I, you know hearing your podcast and everything like that i know you kind of like steered steered away from all the mainstream stuff like you know like wwe and you're more into the indie scene like sure around around what age you could say that happened
2: Oh man! Um, basically, I grew up watching wrestling. Um, I was a WCW kid in the early '90s, mm. and you
3: Saturday
2: know, Night. Yeah, absolutely. That was the first thing I ever saw was WCW Saturday Night. Yep. First, and, and um, I was hooked. And then I met a friend in school who also watched wrestling, but he watched WWF. Okay. And he would he had uh, one of those illegal black boxes. You know about that. Oh, yeah. That,
1: <laughs> yo, listen. That was everything when we was kids, bro. There was no yeah. more switching and going up nope. and down channels trying to see some fuzzy television. <laughs> exactly.
2: <laughs> so, he was recording everything on VHS. So, he was bringing tapes to school and giving them to me. And I was like, I never watched WWF at all. And he was like, it comes on Saturday on this channel. So, I started to watch uh, Superstars on yes. uh, early... And basically, you know, become a wrestling fan, go through the kind of ups and downs. You you like it. You burn out on it. You know, once you start getting older, I didn't watch ruthless the Ruthless Aggression era at all. Like, I was out. I wasn't watching anything. After ECW kind of tanked, I was out. And then I'm trying to think. Um, I was watching The Ultimate Fighter on Spike TV, and right after that finished... Uh, TNA came on, the first ever TNA, whatever the name of the show was, on Spike TV. And I watched that, and I saw AJ Styles and a bunch of other people. I was like, who are these people? Flipping around, flying all over the place. And I was blown away, so I started doing some research, and I went to my local DVD, VHS, whatever. they. I think it was just DVDs then. And I'm looking through, and I see ring of honor and I'm like I don't know what this is and I just started picking up DVDs and stuff and I discovered Homicide it was one of my favorite wrestlers ever shout out to and, Homicide uh, he's the man that's my dude right there <laughs>
0: and,
2: uh, crazy all these years later the reason I got into independent wrestling was because of Homicide that that's my dude right now it's crazy it's just crazy how weird, the turns that life can take you but um, I was hooked man and I started looking how do I get to this show, you know? And I ended up um, going to CM Punk's last show, which was in Long Island. He came back after he had already got signed for a one-night-only thing, and that was in February of 2006. So I've been going to independent shows for 14 years this February. Wow, and
3: throughout those
1: 14 years, you saw... I'm pretty sure you saw crazy, crazy events, especially at the <laughs> Manhattan Center. You know, yeah. like my first. To be honest, my first Ring of Honor show. Uh, yeah. Damn, man, must have been like four years ago, like four or five years ago. Where was it? Uh, it was it was in the Manhattan Center, and it could have been like four years ago, cause this was when Kyle O'Reilly. I think you he- won the belt. Yeah
2: yeah i was there
1: yeah that that was that was my first show
2: yeah that was right when cole left right he left right after that
1: yeah cole was leaving and and i think it (laughs) i think it was uh cody's first roh fight
2: yeah didn't he he like turned he turned heel on against Jay lethal or something like that yep Yep. something to that it was uh there's nothing like I mean ROH might not be cooking the way they were in the the mid 2000s you know but I'll put ROH from like 05 to 2010 as like one of the best ten year uh, five year spans in in wrestling it was so good you look at all the talent that came out of there you know from I could just run them down right now uh, Daniel Bryan yep. CM Punk Samoa Joe <laughs> uh, Kevin Owens Seth Rollins, Cesaro, like these are all Chris Hero, Sami Zane. These are all Sami Zayn. I mean, I'm leaving people out. This is just who.
1: Comes no, no, up. yeah, yeah. You're definitely and, are, cause, you definitely are because yo, there, there was a lot of talent. Like, you know, like once I got into it, and mm-hmm. I started, I started seeing all these other indie indie shows. You know, people were putting me on to uh, GCW and. Um, yep. I uh, ICW out here in Queens and everything, and yep, I'm just like, yep. yo, this shit is bonkers, bro. And it's then, different. That and yeah. that's why I kind of love the internet too, because you go on YouTube, you see all that shit.
2: Yeah, yep, you do, man. And it's a, it's a good balance, man. Like, for for when you might not feel like WWE's hitting, like it's okay to go and watch something else. It's okay to instead of put on the network, you go and put on, you know. IWTV. Exactly. And, you know, it's no problem. And now you have uh, an alternative like AEW, which is is fantastic to watch also. And you see a lot of guys who are thriving on the indies. They're now on TV. I get to see a lot of my friends on television every Wednesday night. That's pretty cool.
1: Yeah. I mean, um, one of the first uh, indie shows too, like after all that, I started learning about uh, House of Glory. Yeah. And I, yo, I was just enamored by everything. I went into my first show in Jamaica, and I'm like, oh, shit, this is, this is it. This is exactly what I like. You know, you got yeah. the hip-hop music blaring. It's very New York. It's very New York. Very, very <laughs> New York. If you're not from New York, you're coming out of town, it's an experience.
2: It is. It's 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 at a nightclub. It's beautiful. <laughs> it's huge. It's got great lighting. Yep. Pack. I've been in that building where there was 500 people And it was rocking But I've been in that building when the Young Bucks were in there For their last I indie was there. Indie match, And it was packed There was like 3,000 people in there yep. And it was tight in there But it was rocking And it just It's one of my favorite places And I got to connect with a lot of people In House of Glory And they treat me like family Man uh, if I wanted to and I've had and I have in the past just pop into the training school and hang out and a lot of the guys have been on the show I mean Amazing Red was episode 100 and um, so yeah. I have so much love for the House of Glory guys that's family to me
1: yeah man like the and, and that's another another promotion that their roster is stacked on like almost any given night you, you could yeah. get crazy matches like I saw LAX for the first time ever on impact, right? So I'm like, because yeah. I I went back. I was like, all right, you know, TNA switched his name. I was like, all right, let's see what happens. Let me give it a shot. Yeah. And I see LAX. I'm like, yo, what is this? I was like, what the fuck is this? I was like, these niggas are from New York too. Oh, man. I was I was open. I was open. And then they were rolling into the ring with Conan. I was like, no, this is crazy. Yeah. And then to know yeah, that man. they, you know, they wrestle in, in the backyard. They wrestle out here. I was like, yo, yeah. oh, that's it." That that got me going to HOG shows.
2: Yeah, that'll do it though. That just shows the reach that people like Mike and oh, sorry, Santana <laughs> <and> <laughs> have is they have this reach to bring in people. They connect, man. Yeah. That's that's the best way to do it is is they connect and it's a party every single time that I saw them at HOG. It was like being at the Puerto Rican Day Parade. <laughs> Every single they were coming out to Mark Anthony. Like who does that? Yo, Nobody
1: does Hector Lavoe, all that. I'm like, yo, this is good. This is good. You know, I'm Dominican, then, but at the at that moment, I was Puerto Rican, bro. <laughs> <laughs> but
2: the crazy thing is, is that they would have that showmanship, and then go and have the best match on the show, or the best match that you've ever seen
3: yeah I,
2: I i have yet to see a better consistent tag team than whatever you want to call them lax proud and powerful EYFBO, yeah whatever they kill it I'm, everywhere they're at
1: i mean last year i i said it last year and i think the year before i was like if if it wasn't i would say like you know for for the runs that like you know like Tag teams like New Day, Usos, because I I think they're phenomenal as well. But LAX is right up there with them. Yeah. You know, at that is. moment, they didn't have the platform they had now, and they were still yeah. there, like, kicking at the door, like, yo, we're here. Yeah. And they're such great people, like, so approachable. Like, they even did an intro for me for the show one time. I was like, oh, my yeah. God. Like, yo, I was like, yo, thank you, bro. I'm over here thinking I had to pay them. no, like, no, nah, nah, it's all right.
2: They're the best people. Yeah. Like, that's all I can say. That I have been super fortunate that over almost four years of doing the show, that I have been able to cross over from being just in the crowd to being involved more in wrestling, whether it's doing merch design or whether it's I do commentary for ICW.
1: Yes, and, I've seen that. I've seen that. Uh,
2: and, and and now I, I work and do uh, creative for ICW. I work for IWTV also now. Wow. And it's... Uh, to cross over you really start to see the people because the wrestling business will get a bad rap there are a lot of shitheads out there and blockheads and and not nice people who are extremely selfish but when you meet the real ones it clicks instantly and hog has the most real ones and that's where i've clicked the most with so many people and uh, people like Santana and Ortiz, man, I can't say enough nice things about them. They are the best.
1: Yeah. Um, and that, that night that they did the intro for me, I think I must have seen, like, one of the best matches I've ever seen from them. Because, you know, I, I got to see them against the Lucha Bros a lot. I got to see them oh. against Private Party a lot and a whole bunch of yep. different teams they would bring in to, mm-hmm. to face them. But one team, and it was like a mismatch team because it was ACH and Rich Swan.
2: Yeah, I remember LAX. that. Versus
1: And, I mean, I still got the videos on my phone to this day, and I'm just like, the moves. And I'm like, so, yo! So I'm like, and none of these guys are... I was like, damn, Rich Swan is not there no more. I was like, ACH hasn't gotten there yet. I was like, yo. Mm-hmm. I was like, LAX gotta go to WWE. I don't care if it's NXT. They're gonna... Mm-hmm. Because I was already thinking, like, oh, my God, them versus the Revival. Uh, Them versus DIY at the moment. I was just like, yo, the matches they could have with these people, you know?
2: Yeah. I I think they made the right choice for them. You know, you basically look at it this way. You didn't have to move to Florida. You stay home in New York. And you're working less days for probably making more money, you know? And I think for... People like Santana Ortiz who have, you know, young, growing families. They both have uh, young kids. I don't think you want to move them out of New York. You, you know how it is to, to be here. You know, it's just like you're connected to this place to leave. It's just it, it would take a lot. And I think they had to weigh their options. And I think they made the right one. You see the talent that's coming in there and the way they got put directly into the premier faction stable i think it's it's great to see the way they've been handled
1: definitely definitely i think i also think that they made the right decision cuz like you said they're fam they're family men you know yeah, they exactly. got they got the young kids they want to see them grow so you know more props to them i'm just glad that they have the big platform that they have now because they definitely definitely deserve it 100%
2: 100% that-
1: and uh, another talent from um from Hog who just just left us way 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 too soon. Uh Matt Travis, i seen that you and him had like a, a really close relationship.
2: Yeah. Yeah, that's my brother right there. Uh, <laughs> let me let me keep it together. Um oh, you man. told you you told me you were going to ask me about him and yeah. I you too. I said please do. That doesn't mean that uh, I might not get emotional about it. But if I can talk about Matty, I want to, because I think that he impacted people's lives in such a great way. He is one of the best young wrestlers I had ever seen. He was the reason that I got to interview Amazing Red. He parlayed for me to get there. He made sure I interviewed Matt, I can't even remember when it was. It was hot outside. That's all I remember. We were at the hog, we were at the hog training school. He told me to come down there and interview him in person because we had already been friends for probably about a year before that. And this was in, I don't know, 2017, early 2018, probably something like that. And he told me to come down. And that's when I met red and Brian XL and He knew that once I met Red, then Red would then become comfortable with me because Mm. he would never do an interview with somebody that he was uncomfortable with or didn't know. That's the whole thing with that whole group is once you're in there, they treat you like you're one of them. So Matt needed to find a way to get me for them to see that I was a good dude and meant well and believed in everything that they were doing. So he had me come down and and it was just crazy. Like um, interviewed him, met Brian, met uh, Red, and talked to Red for a while. And then he just made it happen and got Red to be like, "Yeah." And we it, it scheduled it. And I interviewed Red in person for episode one hundred. And it was just like the pinnacle of still to me. But uh, back to Matt. He's <laughs> he is one of the funniest people I've ever met. One of the most genuine people that I've ever met. You know the saying, you know, give them their roses while they can smell them. And he was that person, always saying, yo, Struggs, you're going to take it over. Yo, you're going to kill it. Yo, that last episode was fire. And he would do that for everybody. You know, sometimes people thought that that wasn't cool to give other people props, whether you're in the wrestling business, whether you're in the music business, podcast business. People have like this too cool attitude where you can't say to somebody else who does something similar to you, yo, that was dope, you know, because I guess it's like this kind of weird, like, well, they're sort of competition. He never felt that way. He would always tell people that he loved them, always tell them that they were killing it. Some of the funniest moments we had just driving in the car, going to shows. I would yell at him in the car. Maddie, the only reason you're on time to shows is when I take you. Because he would <laughs> always show up late. Always had me driving through fucking fucking Harlem in the Bronx at three o'clock in the morning. I was like, Am I gonna get shot out here? He's like, I don't know, you might. <laughs> you know, just like cruising through, just driving to shows in Jersey. I got him on that uh that CZW Once in a Lifetime show, the Onita. Um, Matt Tremont. Oh, they needed, they needed an opening somebody for the the big scramble match in the beginning, and I had put over Ken Broadway and Matt. Oh and yeah, yeah.
1: I, they, uh, did they tag in that match, or they were against each other?
2: They, no, no. They 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 came out and just uh, because Matt would sometimes do like as a manager role for him and Ken, and then they would also tag as Murder by Kicks. And then they went into the big feud in Hog, where they wrestled each other for a long time and then had that crazy cage match.
1: Yes, yes, that cage match
2: was insane. (laughs) Insane, insane. If anybody hasn't seen it, it's on YouTube. You can look on House of Glory's YouTube and check out the cage match. I never had so much anxiety watching a match in my life because it's two of my good friends, great friend and Matt, Just And I'm just nervous as fuck And my wife is with me And she's like, are you going to be okay? (laughs) And I'm just like, I don't know (laughs) Like, (laughs) I don't know And they did all this wild shit, man And I'm just, after the match Matt comes out and he's all bloody Because he took those skewers to the head And he's all bloody And I'm just like, what are you doing? (laughs) Because I was so mad at him for taking the skewers to the head And he was like, what? What? I'm good, I'm good We would always argue after the show because I thought he was doing too much. And that's just me as a friend not wanting to see my friend get lit up and get hurt, you know? So we would argue all the time. He would try and do that shooting star press. And I'm like, you need to stop doing that shit (laughs) save it. Save it for when it's, like, time to go off, you know? Save it for the big, big cage match or save it for whatever. Although I told him not to do the jump off the cage. I was like, "You better not jump off that cage."
1: He thought he was Jimmy Superfly real quick. <laughs> yeah,
2: exactly. But I, there's it's one of those things that like once I get talking about him, memories just start popping up in my head. Like he would just call me randomly and we would just talk about nonsense. We would talk about N64 games. We would talk about sneakers all the time. He was big into kicks and we would just Bullshit of mostly talk about lucha libre because he grew up watching that stuff.
1: Oh and yeah, got that, big that big was on a. Univision and all that. <laughs> Triple A. Yep.
2: Yeah, big man. times. He was, he was big into that. We would always talk about merchandise and shirts and stuff. And I was gonna put out his first like official official T shirt, and he would always be slacking because the reason why though, and he's smart, he wanted to get to a point. But every time that he saw the fans, they would ask him for shit and he wouldn't have it because he 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 kind of lacked that confidence. He didn't think he was worth having shirts yet. He was like, I'm just like two years in. I don't need shirts. I don't want to be that jabroni guy who's kind of trash in the ring, but has merch, (laughs) you know, like (laughs) he was like, I want to get to the point where I put out stuff and it just sells out. Boom. One show gone. And we were getting to that point, man. He was building a name for himself. He was in um, in CZW, best of the best. He was growing and getting opportunities. He was getting more opportunities in Hog. Probably gonna win that crown jewel title from Montekia. And it was just building. I could feel it. We knew it. Yeah. We would talk every time. We knew it. And the la- one of the, his last one of his last matches was against Homicide at ICW. And I got to call the match, which I think was the only singles match I ever got to call of Maddie's. but to see uh, my good friend in wrestling, Maddie wrestle one of the legends and icons of independent wrestling and homicide, it was a big deal for me to get to call that match. And uh, we had a great time, and I yelled at him after because he got hurt, and (laughs) we were in the car. And I just, it's just normal. hoke was in the back seat and we're just driving and I'm going over the bridge and I'm just yelling at him like, what are you doing? Don't need to be doing shooting star presses. Like, <laughs> it's like every time. But he, as, as much as he was super giving and, and loving, he, he had that New York hard head to him and I have it too though. <laughs> so we were all the time, but it was in that, in that brother way. And I still, I'll go outside and look up at the stars and, and just talk to him. That's my brother forever.
3: Yeah,
1: man. R.I.P. Matt Travis, man. Like, and me me and my boy, one of my really close friends, LP, Uh, mm-hmm. we, we used to talk about Matt Travis. We were like, yo, you see the way he came? Because I think one of the first times he saw him, he's like, yo, look at this dude. He's coming into the ring like Freddy Cougar. He's like, this yeah. nigga's great. Like, yo, it's just like he yeah. always has something different when he was coming to the ring. And, you yep. You already knew that the, the fans were, were already, like, drew, drawn to it. And yeah, yeah. <laughs> he, he was a heel, you know? And you knew yeah. he did his job right because he was coming out to booze. Yeah. Wasn't the, mixed. Not, you know, he wasn't a tweener. I, like, either yeah, you liked yeah. him or you didn't. That's it.
2: Exactly. But he was a cool heel. Mm-hmm. Like, real ones knew that even if you were booing him during the match when you saw him afterwards and you saw him in his fucking fur coat and his patent leather, you know, whatever kicks on, you were just like, yo, this dude, he, he's fucking a cool dude. And, you know, I might not like him in the ring, but thats a, he's a dope dude and and he's entertaining in every way. And we used to talk all the time. He's like, this is what I'm going to do next for the entrance. This is what I'm going to do next. And uh, luckily for me doing, you know, knowing how to do audio and editing and stuff, he was like, I want to do this Freddy Cougar thing. I was like, yo, let me make you up the entrance music and we'll time it out so it hits right. And I got to make the audio and everything and mix that, do that whole, you know, dip set medley that he had for the Freddy Cougar entrance. And I remember before the show him just practicing it and making sure the timing hit. And we knew it was going to be fucking fire. And we were going to do more stuff like that moving forward. Mm. And he was going to do sort of like when um, just before, what's his name? Just before Prince Devitt or Finn Balor got signed, that he was kind of doing all those villain cosplay type things. Yes. And that he was going to do like his New York... Grime style version of that, and and that was going to lead him to winning the the crown jewel championship for Montekia because Montekia superhero,
1: you know, <laughs> yeah. so he
2: was do all the the biggest villains to finally then conquer Montekia, and it was going to be a really cool story. Yeah. But we only got to see the beginning of it.
1: Yeah, it was going to be Montekia's doomsday.
2: Yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Yeah man but once again man RP shout out to that man he was yeah. uh he was something man he was something absolutely but uh how um what about now like do you do you dibble and dabble into like the mainstream stuff anything that's on TV at the moment cuz i know you said like AEW is pretty cool but what about like WWE
2: uh i watch wrestlemania okay. um i will check in whenever there's people that i connect with so if Kevin Owens is doing something cool, I'm going to watch, gotcha. you know, going to check in if, uh, Cesaro or Seth Rollins or whoever, you know, obviously Daniel Bryan, Samoa Joe, those are the guys that I connected with and that brought me back into wrestling. So whenever I hear something cool is happening, I, I throw it on and check it out. Um, when it comes to, to AEW, a lot of my friends work there. So people like Joey Janela, people like, um, uh, proud and powerful Mm. and others, you know, those are my guys. And we grew up together here, you know, in the independent scene, like Joey was struggling for a while and then finally found his, his footing. And, you know, he's one of the highest played episodes on, on, on my show, but he was like episode 40 and (laughs) now I'm up to, you know, 180, something. It was a long time ago that Joey was on the show in 20, probably in sometime in 2016, he was on and um but i i watch a little bit here and there i'm definitely not i can't tell you the last time i watched a like a an episode of smackdown you might catch me watching bits and pieces of raw but um and i pop on the network every once in a while and uh nxt is fantastic it's really really good to watch so much phenomenal talent there oh yeah and man. you know it's It's a great time to be a wrestling fan. Obviously not now in a pandemic. I'm not the biggest fan of no fans, no crowd shows. I think it's a little strange, but um, it's definitely, like, talent-wise, it might be one of the best times in in pro wrestling all around. You look at uh, the roster at, at WWE and NXT, unbelievable. You look at the roster at AEW. You look at the independent scene. You look at New Japan. I mean, it's stacked everywhere, everywhere. Man, it's, you know there's something for everyone to watch so i don't play sides i just love wrestling
1: <laughs> yeah and i i wish a lot more fans were like that instead of just playing the sides and then you know talking shit about one side and not the other because you're yeah. gonna get yourself caught in the middle you know you're gonna get yeah. yourself talking shit about a certain type of match and then your favorite your favorite promotion is doing the same type of match so it's like it's a it's a weird it's a weird thing it's a weird thing in professional wrestling but um I seen that you know in WWE they they're doing this ladder match on top of a building
2: yeah I saw
1: <laughs> and it, it consists like some of the people you were talking about I wish Samoa Joe was in it because Samoa Joe is my guy I fucking love Samoa Joe um yeah. but it got Daniel Bryan Rey Mysterio Aleister Black King Corbin A J Styles and Otis
2: that's that's a good group man
1: it <laughs> like, is it is I, but you're group. like oh this to me is like hillbilly Jim like <laughs> <laughs> sure
2: yeah hey, but but wrestling needs that though. yeah we it needs it needs characters character. like yes. that we need characters like that and I know a lot of people especially I've been seen on Twitter a lot is that people have been arguing like what is better character or pure wrestler and i'm like we need them all we need them all (laughs) you know i need the over the top character but then i need the pure wrestler and striker i need a drew gulak but i also need uh otis you know i need all of this to paint a picture and to make a relatable story you know to see otis's come up is been it's funny it's hilarious (laughs) and it's relatable you know, people are like, "Yo, look at the big dude get the get the bad chick." You know, like good for him. Like, what else, <laughs> the right there? And um, when it comes to this ladder match, to be completely honest, it's it's strange, but these are strange times. Yep. I rather them do something unique and shoot kind of something in a more cinematic way, sort of like the funhouse, sort of like the boneyard, and make entertainment than try and trick me like. There's no crowd here wide because, you know, it's kind of it gets sad sometimes. You're like, there's no crowd here because people are dying, because people are sick, because people are scared. But when you do something more cinematic, it feels more like a movie and becomes an escape from all of this, you know?
1: Yeah, definitely. It becomes an escape. Like, I like where they're going with their cinematic matches. And like you said, like those two, those two that you pointed out with the Boneyard match and with uh with the Funhouse match it was just it was just a different a different take on you know this thing that we love pro wrestling and just for people like not being confused yet it's good to be confused about it cuz it's something new you know like when WWE first exploded and went into like the entertainment realm of everything it was new like people couldn't understand it until a couple couple of years later it's the biggest thing going exactly
2: i just uh You have trouble when people struggle to adjust. Yes. And that's the whole thing. If you can't evolve with pro wrestling, then you turn into Cornette and nobody (laughs) wants to do that. Like, I'm just like, let's be honest, like, don't get me wrong. Like Jim Cornette has a ton of experience Mm -hmm. and has been around and, and produced phenomenal wrestling and was an amazing character to boo and to hate He has so much knowledge that I can't even wrap my head around it, but he hasn't evolved with the times, so he turns into, you know, old man screaming at the front lawn, you know, and it's just, it's annoying. But if you can shift gears with the times of pro wrestling, it's the best time to be a wrestling fan, as long as you can roll with the punches or shift gears and and keep up. You know, it's the best time. Pick your lane, or swerve back and forth, and do it all. Watch AEW, watch NXT, watch whatever. I remember growing up, I was watching Nitro, Taping Raw, and then watching the it later. You know, like yeah. I didn't care about ratings. Who's <laughs> winning the ratings <laughs> war? Who cares?
1: Nobody Did cared enjoy- about that.
2: Exactly. Did you enjoy yourself? That's what I I'll say every single time. When you sit. I don't have all the time in the world, although I do now, but uh, normally <laughs> I, I don't have all the time in the world to sit down and watch wrestling. So when I sit down and watch it, I want to enjoy myself. And if if I ever say to myself once, Man, I don't like this, click on to the next, and that's all it is.
1: Exactly. There's so, like, you know, you, you said before, it's so much out there, it's so much for any type of fan of pro wrestling, you know, but, like, I. I haven't really got into the whole deathmatch match scene. You know, I seen a couple here and there and I oh, told boy. myself I'm hoping that, you know, they open up the bars again, so maybe I could go to one of those bar bar style deathmatches. matches. I, I've been trying to go to one of those, but I'm always I'm always not catching it, so but. Yeah,
2: man. Those are those are something. I'm a big, big fan of deathmatch wrestling. It took a while for me though. I didn't start to like it. Like I told you before, I was watching independent wrestling in about 2005. Yeah. But I didn't start to get into death matches till probably six or seven years later. I seen it, but I was like, man, this is, this is dangerous. This is garbage wrestling. I was so used to that ring of honor style where it was like crazy athleticism, respect. It kind of felt like a MMA fight sometimes with the heavy striking and then you look at something like CZW and you're like, yo, this is trash. But when you actually understand the art form that is deathmatch wrestling, it opens up a whole nother lane on this huge highway that is pro wrestling.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And it's just, um, it's insane. Some of the best guests that I've ever had on the show are deathmatch guys. And they're the nicest people ever you would think that it would be a little scary but there's some of the, <laughs> the nicest people ever the only problem that i have now is that i've become so friendly with so many of them that now when i watch them wrestle i'm just worried the whole time that my friends are gonna get hurt All and right. that's that's it that's that's the yeah. toughest part I've
1: yeah because like you know like i i you know've i've, I've dibbled and dabbled and seen a, a couple yeah. of uh matches especially with um one guy that you have interviewed big dude uh Sh- Shalik? that's his name Slack Slack yo He's that, crazy Yeah that guy's crazy I uh, I was just like yo and then you just look at him he he's, he looks like he had like one of these um vignettes or or promos where he's at a bar yep. and he gets a he gets a phone call and then he's just like down in the beer and he's just like all mad again breaking the glass I'm just like <laughs> yo what is this yeah, then I look we, at the match, and I'm like, holy shit. You know? It's just, it just mind-blowing, you know? And then I seen... Even this guy had a death match. What was his name? The actor. He had a, he had a death match with... Uh, Nick Cage. Nick Cage. Yeah, Nick Cage.
2: David Arquette. David
1: Arquette. Yo, and he, like, got a really bad cut on his neck that he was, like, bleeding to death. Like, almost bled to death. I was like, yo, it this...
2: It was bad. It was bad. But if you watch that match, though, it was a... It was a complete accident.
1: No, no, yeah, yeah,
3: yeah, yeah.
2: Yeah, Nick's been wrestling death matches for, since he was 18 years old. I mean, he's in his mid-30s now. So he's been doing it for a long, long time. Obviously, Arquette, he's trained to wrestle, but he hasn't wrestled very often lately. Certainly not been in a death match. So I guess he reacted in a strange way. And when you're messing with glass, anything can happen. Anything. And that's why I don't like light tubes. And I don't like when, you know, my friends use them because they're just super unpredictable. If you're getting hit with a thumbtack baseball bat or whatever, you know what's going to happen. You're going to get little pokes in you. It's going to hurt. If you're getting thrown through a door or a table, we know what's going to (laughs) happen. When it comes to to glass, you never know where it's going to break, how it's going to break, how it's going to shatter what pieces are gonna go where you know it's it's too unpredictable so you know once i started to get more involved in in icw and we we shot that video with slack with the, at the bar and all that stuff that was for our first no holds barred show with the chains as the for ropes and um i just i kind of don't mind uh, doing shows in in places that don't allow glass because it just makes me a little nervous, especially for the the fans in the crowd. Also, to see yeah. glass flying everywhere, it's 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 a little rough.
1: No, definitely, man, and uh, you know, shout out to them for even getting in the ring and doing stuff yeah, like that I, because it's shit, wild. You got you got to be you got to be cut from a whole to- a totally whole different cloth.
2: <laughs> That's, different. That is the the best way to put it. It's certainly different, and uh, some people can do it all, man. Uh, some people can do both. Some people, you know, I look at somebody like Alex Colon, he can do it all. G-Raver, one of the best in the world just in wrestling. But he just happens to choose to predominantly do death matches, you know? Mm. Oh, man.
1: Like All right. So before, before we wrap this up, uh, there's one question I want to ask you. Being in the indie scene and not only, you know, calling matches and, you know, being cool with a lot of these guys. Yeah. Who do you see in your rise as like the next like kind of like big star to break out of the indies and really make it on the mainstream?
2: Wow. Oh, man, so many names come to mind when I when I think who is next for the longest time, obviously he signed. I would have said Joey Janela. I think that Joey is a is a once in a lifetime talent when it comes to Charisma and the way he connects with people and what he's willing to do in a wrestling ring Mm. Uh, He's just unbelievable. He's not your typical looking wrestler. He's not jacked or six foot five but he finds a way to make it work and he's just uh, a special human being right now when I start thinking of um, the younger guys on the scene uh, I'm going to say somebody that not a lot of people are going to know, but that's okay. I want you to go out of your way and check him out. Awesome. I think I think that the next big deal, best wrestler on the independent scene in the next few years will be uh, a wrestler named Lee Moriarty.
1: Lee Moriarty?
2: And yes. Lee Moriarty, he wrestles uh, in AIW out of Cleveland. He wrestles in bizarro lucha down in indiana you can see him a lot on IWTV. he's all over the place if anybody's unfamiliar which i do expect a good amount of people to be unfamiliar he has a style that is very much like chris hero meets jonathan gresham Ooh,
3: okay. combined
2: and he's got a a dope style to him he goes by tiger style you know, he's got that Wu-Tang kind of swagger to him. He wears like a, a tiger mask to the ring, but then takes it off. He kind of has like this really great balance of American pro wrestler meets like an, uh, a modern luchador. It's just, it's a special skill set. He's young in the game, but I've interviewed so many people. I've seen so many wrestling matches that I can just see when somebody has it. And I think he has it in a big way, so go and check him out, Lee I'm, Moriarty.
1: I'm definitely gonna, I'm definitely gonna check him out, man. I I trust your judgment on this one. I'm definitely gonna check Homie out. <laughs> Thank. You. Uh, what what was that promotion out of uh, Indiana that you just talked about? Uh,
2: um, it's called Bizarro Lucha. Bizarro yeah.
1: Lucha. Yeah, yeah. I heard, I heard of them. I heard they got some really good shows, man. And it's, it's kind of like a like a circus themed thing, right? Something like that.
2: Yeah, it's crazy. it's yeah. it's a really fun picture like um, if you're from the tri-state area most people have heard of Chikara which yes. is kind of like a comic book come to life think if uh the adult version of Chikara you know it's kind of like raunchy they don't mind like at Chikara you, you can't even curse in the crowd they say please no cursing yeah they try and, <laughs> they say it's a family show bizarro is basically like the fucked up stepbrother of chikara who just doesn't care does whatever they want it has these crazy crazy matches these crazy factions they have a death match every once in a while they use you know some bigger names some lower level names it's in a they shoot it and uh, the shows are at a brewery with this really cool lighting and it's just uh it's really dope it's one of my favorite places to watch and it's on iwtv
1: Awesome. Yeah, man. Uh, IWTV has a lot of indie wrestling, man. I, I Whoever came yeah. up with the idea to have that going is a fucking genius. But yeah, definitely, cool man, Hope hoping that all this, you know, all this gets better out here because I really would love to go to one of those shows out there, man.
2: Yeah, absolutely. When this gets all situated and whatnot, we got to get you out to an ICW show because that's that's my place that's what i'm putting my creative energy into
1: definitely and
2: man i would love to have you in the in the squad come out and and see what i've been working on for the last year or so and i i think it's interesting man it's a, it's a different it's a it's a hybrid mix of hard hitting wrestling mixed with some borderline deathmatch stuff nothing too too crazy yeah
1: um the icw i i seen them at when they did a couple of shows in queens they, they were at ultimate fitness center yeah, yep, yeah, yep. yeah, 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 yeah. I've been to a couple of those. Um, I think it was uh the last one I went to, if I'm not mistaken, it was uh, Danny Demento's uh retirement match, him against uh, Shane Douglas.
2: Yes. Yeah. That was the, the, yeah, Danny, that was his, that was his, that was the show before I started on commentary.
3: Oh, ah, so okay.
2: Just after that, I was at that show, but just after that, is when Danny asked me to do commentary and I've been doing commentary ever since for, you know, it'll be, I think it's about a year and a half. And then we started to, uh, once we started to get, really get rolling there, he was started asking me about creative stuff and what I thought about talent and and this and that. And now, you know, ICW is, is my home and it's what I put a lot of creative energy into.
1: Awesome, man. Yeah, man, as soon as all this gets uplifted and everybody can go outside again, let me know when that first show, man. Me and the boys are definitely there. Please do. Definitely. Please, man.
2: It's a good time.
1: But, uh, yo, thank you. Thank you once again for coming on to the show. For truly appreciate the time, man. And, yeah, man, like I said before, as as soon as those Terry Funk shirts... (laughs) pop up, just send me a DM on the side, like, yo, they out, bro, you better get on it quick, and I'm on it,
2: I got you, I got you, not a problem, and I appreciate you giving me a platform to talk a little bit more about me, instead of, I normally sit down and, and interview people, so not everybody gets to hear about what I'm doing, and what made me the way that I am, so anytime I get a chance, I appreciate it, and, uh, Man, uh here's to another hundred episodes for you guys.
1: Thank you, brother. I truly appreciate it, man. And uh yeah, stay safe out there, stay healthy, you know. Yes, sir. And you know, yeah, man, just take take all the precaution ne- needed and you know we'll see we'll see each other again very soon, man.
2: Sounds good to me.
1: All right, my brother, be safe, bro.
2: Be safe, thank you. No doubt.
1: Yeah, man, that was my boy Ryan from the spotlight series. I mean, his podcast is amazing. Uh, the people he worked with is amazing. Everything he's doing right now is official. He went from having just a podcast and merch line. that's fire, by the way. You got to check him out. Got to check out uh, the Instagram, the struggles. Uh, check out the designs he's doing at Creative Weld. Creative Weld, C-R-E-A-T-I-V-E-W-E-L-D, all one word. Um, yeah, man, you know, going from that to being a commentator for icw and itv uh working with icw and you know just all the whole creative aspect the whole creative realm of it and just being friends with these guys that we see on tv like actually developing real friendships and real connections with these people you know to the point where he's just looking at the whole aspect of everything and wondering why they putting themselves through so much shit uh such a great 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 interview. Um this was a really good episode. Can't even say more about that. But uh yes, we know that this week is Money in the Bank. Money in the Bank, the Deadass Girls podcast and the Jabba tears is hosting a live. Yes, they're hosting a live viewing party on Zoom. Should be dope. You're going to see the 20 by 20 boys there. And just, you know, be on the lookout. We got a lot more coming. Don't want to say all the other guests we got coming for the next couple of weeks, but we got a lot of people coming. And this is the 20 by 20 podcast. And I'm your host, Nathan McFly. Shout out to Woodrow. Shout out to Los Boricuas. And shout out to the nation, the domination. <laughs>
0: Spent the quarter chicken, now I'm worth the quarter ticket Put a quarter in my backies, give a quarter to my bitches, every since a quarter century I've been raking up the digits, all these dollars out of quarters I should give a course in vending, bought the Razorbacks like Arkansas, then butcher taught me blending, turn a four into a seven, then you hit the black and kill it, that's how I fed my mama and three other little siblings, not to mention my children, shit everybody winning, took the gamble just to get here, the risk takers gon' get this, or I'm getting a checkerboard, aka a big square, break it down in fair chances, then we going square dancing From Charlotte back to New York and Miami Like I'm Aunt Mason Black soprano family with the leverage is impeccable You rappers is unethical Turn niggas to vegetables Matter of fact, niggas shoot yourself with it Plexiglass Shells hotter than Mexico Feel it on your chest like a stethoscope I love the game, I'm from the streets I survived some murder beef Every since then I play for keeps I'm shooting everywhere the laser blink Drums on a 223 Shutting down the motor on the So be careful riding down the streets And nigga bring your biggest gun When you think you're running down on me I'm with some niggas that'll die for me You gotta look me in the eyes When you tell me you gon' ride for me It's time to tell my side of the story A nigga came off the bench But I got rings like Robidori I made movies but ain't recorded Spray. Some shells clear the scene before it get reported. Moving cautious, I can't afford it. Raise bottom real trenches, catch a body and you get rewarded. Pushing grams, trying to make a fortune. Had a couple bad runs like the Bills when they had lost me. I need the Roly with the bezel frosting. Having triple beam dreams, reminiscent when I sold frosting. Me and my ops like LA in Boston. I thought of that when on a plane, on a flight from LA to Boston. Sip and do, say with the double-crosses The way we do, you think it's voodoo So be careful for you double crosses. You run your mouth, my guns talking Place a bounty on your head
3: Now yeah, you just look, a dead man. fire Cause I ain't throw my phone away yet I'm in deep, the hustler instinct can go away yet I kept a hammer and a bubble coat On the east side of Buffalo The 40 made me trigger happy My plug made me comfortable Hit the lot and I'm copping Ain't nothing to guess about the shit I don't even know the price. I need to test dry the whip. When you were stressed by the bitch, my team was fresh out of brick. Yeah. copping in Miami. At the best west by the strip. And bitch, hit my phone. And she don't want nothing specific. Hosting on balling like the US in the summer Olympics. I played the strip till the mail came in. Chanel fragrance, hell raising. Nigga, my hood full of shell casings from 12 gauges. Let's see who really rivals. If your city really follows I'm in the lab, writing ashin' in an empty henny bottle. I had a spot in all hoods, had my pocket is all for, so rap made me more political, like pop before Sugar. this flow got me enemies, I don't speak to half y'all, I got weaker rap squads doing features half off. <laughs> yeah, no cops when I hit the scene, popped up with Rick and Heen. mask, no vest, just a mop like Mr. Clean, these ah. are the real big bro. DSF nigga, all my niggas is copos nigga, we take this black soprano shit serious, real shit, shout out my nigga City Boy, my nigga Rick Haim, Produced by Shay, you a fool, nigga. Ah, 2020 mine, nigga. <laughs> big BSF, big Brazil, then this motherfucker. I had to come clean niggas up.